Hey everyone, I'm Tamina Zahiri. I'm Joyce Lynn. And I'm Kevin Swiber. This week on the show, we talk about OpenAI, potentially rolling out a paid uh, version of professional tier of ChatGPT. Also, Tesla's self-driving cars and the need for human guidance. Uh, And then finally, we'll talk about YouTube and its demonetization policies. OpenAI continues to make rumblings with its AI-powered ChatGPT. And as the word continues to spread about the game-changing capabilities of the tool, everyone wants to take it for a test drive. With OpenAI putting out feelers for a monetized version, is the pressure on to strike while the iron is hot? What are y'all's thoughts? Have you taken a look at their monetized version yet? Yeah. Um, is it out? Is the monetized version out yet? I I saw the plan for it is out. They're, they're pricing it at $42 a month right now. Okay. Okay. So I know Microsoft took a huge stake in it, right? Like a 49% stake in ChatGPT, and they're looking at putting it behind Office and uh, and their Bing search engine, right? So lots of stuff is, is definitely happening in this area. And I think it's going to certainly legitimize it for folks who want to pay more money, right? It sounds expensive to run, right? It's very expensive in terms of the cost. I think that price is quite reasonable for their introductory price, $42 a month, Tamina. I, I heard they were asking users, how much would you pay? They're trying to gauge our price sensitivity. I mean, I... I don't think that's unreasonable. They started as a nonprofit. They're clearly for-profit. They took $10 billion from Microsoft. How, is, how are they going to get back their billions? They need to make money somehow. Yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I would pay $42 a month for it. It was pretty powerful when I used it and played around with it to have priority access, to have constant uptime. I think that's worthwhile, too. And I, I've seen more and more organizations are starting to tap into AI, especially a lot of small businesses um, who are just launching new products. So it's, it's exciting to see that. And I heard Google is getting wind of this and they, uh, quote unquote, I heard that they are very afraid of the impact of ChatGPT. And now they're investing in bringing AI to the Google search engine. Yeah, well, it stinks to not be first to market on this, right? Like, you know, Google and Facebook, they've been working on their own AI stuff for a very long time, but they don't really have a polished product like OpenAI does around it right now. So I, especially in things like the the chat, uh, you know, and the image generation and stuff like that. So I think uh, I think we'll definitely see competitors come out soon, especially as soon as OpenAI starts making money. And I wouldn't call ChatGPT a polished product, but the potential, even like with the rough edges around it, is so compelling. Anyone who's not in tech gets it as soon as they use it or as soon as they see a demo. And, um, you know, OpenAI, I, Kevin, you said this in the intro, but you wanted to say open API and muscle memory. I, I want to do that, too. Uh, they call this the Google killer. And Google is widely known. Well, widely speculated to not support a lot of their products that they just lose interest in, but they're actively pulling people off of projects so that they can focus on um, AI initiatives. Microsoft, Kevin, you mentioned, is rolling it into Bing search engine. They're rolling it into a lot of their products already. Now, there is some controversy around this, though, and I've already seen people say that they're not going to pay for open AI. Um, it came out that their, their moderation uh uh, tools that they're using really is just a bunch of people that they're paying very little money to in Kenya. So less than $2 an hour. And these folks are saying they have to look at some really horrific content sometimes, like some traumatizing content. 
uh, for less than two bucks an hour. So there are people saying like, hey, you're exploiting these workers for you know nearly free moderation of your AI platform. And they're starting to back away. I mean, the, the dirty secret of a lot of these platforms, social media, any content platform, is somebody has to watch that terrible stuff. A human currently has to identify and tag and flag and train the model. And so I think, Kevin, is your main issue with this, the cost, like, I mean, I don't know what the cost of living is in that local market, but is it just the human rights issue? Yeah, so not just sort of what they're getting paid, but the fact that they have to look at some really horrific stuff um, that's, you know, just gathered off the internet um, for, you know, fairly, fairly low wage compared to the money that they're going to be making on top of it, right? So, um, yeah, I guess my I'm wondering if people are going to start backing out because of this or if it's something they'll actually stick to. Right. There's a lot of folks saying that, oh, hey, they're, they're going to back away from using things like ChatGPT because of this. But like really, in my heart, I think they'll probably come back around. And as you said, if it's not for open AI, it'll be for another provider who's probably doing the same thing. Yeah, I know. Speaking on that topic of moderation, I had a friend who works for a company that consults for Facebook and does moderation for Facebook posts. And I have heard some horror stories even about Facebook and their, the, the impact of that is really hard to put a dollar value on. I mean, they were here in the U.S. getting paid, you know, at minimum 15 bucks an hour. I mean, for this type of stuff they have to see for that type of moderation, they were also heavily investing in on-site therapists and counselors because it's it's hard um so that's definitely interesting i wonder at what point ai will start moderating itself um, well i think if they had better policies around this like for instance providing you know mental health care for these kind of folks i think it would be worth a higher uh price professional on the professional tier right like i would pay more mm -hmm. to know that these folks are being taken care of totally um, another interesting headline I saw just today, uh, Ch chat GPT has passed a few, um, exams, actually an MBA exam through Wharton, the bar for its law degree and a U.S. medical license examination. So I don't know. So I think challenge. it might, yeah, <laughs> it might be moderating itself before we know it. Huh? Can I stop calling my nurse friend about my medical questions and just go to chat GPT? <laughs> I mean, it'll it'll probably be a little bit better than WebMD, but I would still stick to a professional. I mean, Tamina, that point that you bring up is interesting. Um, right now, a lot of this tagging and moderation has to be done by a human. But if in the interim, like humans are doing it to train AI to do a job that humans definitely don't want to do because there's so many messy impacts, like, is it worth it in the short term to rely on human labor? Yeah. And it's so curious to me also, you know, the fact that it's AI, these humans are training the AI for, and that impact lasts forever, but they're, they're making an hour's worth of wages from that. I mean, there's a lot of, there are a lot of implications here around who owns the, the, the rights or the, the value that comes from that long-term. I'm definitely curious to see at one point the government is going to step in and say, this is a tool for the people and maybe not for the companies. Well, I'll say that my team has already thought about um, giving the giving the paid version of chat GPT for a test drive. There's a lot of really cool things that you can build using their APIs. And then also just you can create content. You can answer questions, provide mm -hmm. support. 
Totally. I'm excited to see what you build, Joyce. Well, we're considering it. I didn't realize it was $42 a month. <laughs> All right. So we still have millions of people waiting to take ChatGPT for a ride. Next topic I'm really excited about, uh, Tesla's self-driving cars have really hit the skids. We discuss this next on Breaking Changes Roundtable. All right, so next, you know, we talked about open, API, open AI. I just did it again. Uh, Elon Musk was a founding member there. There's another favorite of our favorite Musk, Elon Musk. That's Tesla. Tesla's dangerous self-driving software has been hit with a bunch of lawsuits lately due to software limitations. What do we think about that? Uh, I mean, we just had something happen, I think, over Thanksgiving in November, right? Like, wasn't there an accident on, on the Bay Bridge or something like that due to the self-driving car? Do you have any details on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I live in San Francisco, so it was the Golden Gate or Bay Bridge. I get those two bridges mixed up, but it was a pileup, um, and it was due to, I think they called it phantom braking. Um, which is something that's reported where maybe there's no stimulus that the human can report, but the car just kind of slows down or not even slows down, but maybe breaks hard on its own. It was a pileup. Oh my goodness. Wow, that sounds haunted. Phantom braking. Like, do I want software doing yeah, like haunted ghost things with my car? I don't know. I don't know. And we were talking about this in the first segment, AI. I feel like this is always going to be a running thread. Um, but I remember one of the first wrecks that I heard about from Tesla self-driving cars, and it was um, it was a semi-truck. Like, so a huge truck mm -hmm. that was white on its side, and it was it like the camera picked it up as blue sky, open sky. It didn't read a semi truck. So the car just like went under it and the top got sheared off and stuff like that is um, very, you can picture it. It's pretty horrifying and um, graphic. However, it's like overall, like the amount of accidents happening from self-driving cars is a drop in the bucket um, versus human error, distracted driving, reckless driving, intoxicated driving. Yeah, but I mean, so it's like the software is not ready, right? Like if we're still seeing a bunch of accidents like this, it's not ready. But how does it get ready without this kind of training, without actual experience, right? So like, th there's got to be someone who's modeled this threat model out somewhere for Tesla and saying like, we'll probably run into X amount of accidents, uh, you know, in the next five years. And like, is that worth the risk? Well, I live in, again, San Francisco. So there's several self-driving cars here Um Kevin, I know where you live, there's probably lots of like un undrivered cars going around. And what I think is interesting, one of the companies here that's available in San Francisco, Austin and Phoenix in the US, it's called Cruise and hum humans. Uh, consumers can book them like after 11 p.m. But during the day, they're just driving around my neighborhood all day, every day, and they're tagging. They're um you know, maybe they're just practicing and everything, but they're collecting the information that then goes into making these training models more accurate and better. Like, so even simple things, not wrecks, but they come up to a, you know, intersection and they stop there a little too long or a little too short or something. This all gets rolled back in to make that model more, more intelligent. So these are unpiloted vehicles, right? But <laughs> yes. are they... Are they getting into as many accidents as like the Tesla self-driving? I mean, probably not, because there's probably a lot more Teslas on the road, right? For sure. Yeah. In many more markets. And not everyone ha that has a Tesla is using the self-driving feature. Mm -hmm. And I, I've, I heard there's, um, you know, it requires you to put your hands on the steering wheel every so often to make sure that you're not just letting it self-drive. It's not supposed to be autonomous. But I've also heard there are aftermarket um, props to help 
alleviate that and make it so that you never have to put your hands on a Tesla. So it seems like as much as, you know, AI and computers are trying to solve for human error, humans just love to make problems happen. So I'm, but I, I still, at the end of the day, think that the self-driving cars are safer than humans on the road. I mean, I live in Texas. I used to work for a driver's education and certification company, and we haven't, we have had at least one death on the Texas roads every day since 2001 um, with the rise of telephones and, you know, texting and driving. So we're such, I say cell phones, not telephones. And so I don't know. I, I definitely feel like we should expect to see accidents happen. And it's hard not to feel, um, you know, nervous in a lot of ways because it's technology that people don't understand. It's technology that's new, but accidents have been happening for a long time and hopefully they just continue to put more time and effort into um, mitigating the accidents that do happen in these self-driving cars. I don't know why I got all the scandals today, but like one of the scandals around like the self-driving car is the, the commercial for the Model X shows like the self-driving feature. And the person who made the commercial said, oh, no, that actually wasn't the self-driving car that was doing that. Like we staged it so it looked like it. So like, what is the responsibility of the manufacturer here? Are they setting accurate expectations um, or is this, you know, to a degree false advertising? Isn't there one of those original OG computers that their first product launch was just like a plastic box that wasn't really demonstrating anything? It's a marketing launch, right? And I think that's a disconnect between the software limitation to what the company legally can and chooses to promote and then what the customers do. Tamina, you're talking about people buying aftermarket mods. Um, Tesla themselves has been promising self-driving, fully self-driving rather soon. And experts are saying it's going to be like a decade, like hold your horses. Is there a separate safety rating for like self-driving features? Do you know, like there's a, what is it? A National transportation, something or other they, that sets like safety ratings for different vehicles and in, in different categories. There's got to be one for self-driving at this point, right? I don't know the no. answer to that one. Yeah. No, I don't know. And something I think that is important, we talk about this very frequently, we were talking about it earlier with that, the semi-truck example, interpreting blue sky versus vehicle, um, it, you know, machine learning models are only as good as the training data. If I'm training on urban areas where people are walking their dogs in the crosswalk, I'll be so good at that. But what happens when somebody goes by in a wheelchair? Does the camera see a wheel and assume it's a vehicle and then treat it differently? Like, I, I'm just wondering who... Like ethically, who is responsible for securing and making sure there's a diversity of test data? Yeah, and who's being you know legally held responsible for the damages that occur? Um, in the case of the semi truck, I mean, it doesn't. Is it the driver's fault for not paying attention and braking sooner? Is it the software's fault because it was faulty or not prepared for that scenario? Um, I'm definitely curious to know how that how that turns out legally. Right. And like on this Bay Bridge incident, like people really got hurt. Right. I think I, I heard like a two year old was injured in, in this accident, in this pileup. Um, so there's definitely the, the whole like legal and insurance, you know, liability side of that as well. Um, you know, is, is Elon paying these people's insurance bills? I don't know. I know Tesla has their own insurance policy um, that you can get. Um, so maybe they have some baked, baked in some extra risk factors there. Have you guys been in a self-driving car? 
been in a Tesla. While it's self-driving? While it's self-driving. And was it? really weird. Weird? (laughs) So weird. (laughs) Um, Did you want to grab the wheel? Did you trust it or were you? Well, I didn't drive it. I was sitting passenger while it was a friend's car and I was like, yeah, I don't, this makes me uncomfortable. I think that's part of the reason why uh, we're hearing some of these stories that in the media just, you know, because they're very graphic, but also the more we talk about self-driving with cars, the more normalized it gets. So some of those cruise cars going around, I think it's PR, it's public relations. So people see them and they get used to seeing a car going without any person inside. All right. Uh, Coming up next, YouTube is swearing to correct its demonetization policy on profanity. Excited to talk about that. Everyone's maybe put some stuff on the internet that they're not too proud of or, you know, that maybe they have regrets about later. Um, But, you know, apparently with YouTube, they're now saying that if you have used profanity in a video previously uh, and you were monetizing that video, that it will no longer be monetized. Um, So I I think there's probably a lot of issues that, that come up with this for content creators. Um, you know, I, I imagine there's, there's been a big outrage. I mean, do you all create content on the internet? How would you feel if you were monetizing that and then suddenly you lost that revenue stream? I I feel like, you know, some of the, they're going back and taking down old, demonetizing old videos, videos that have obviously been making money, generating views. Some of the classics that honestly probably got YouTube to where it is today. If it wasn't for the creators, YouTube wouldn't generate as much revenue as it does. So I definitely think it's a little bit of a shady move on their half. Kind of reminds me of how HBO is taking some of its more popular um, series and movies off of their platform because they don't want to keep paying the actors and actresses for that. Um, I don't know. I don't currently make money off of YouTube personally, but if I did, I wouldn't be happy. I think anytime a sweeping change impacts people's livelihoods, there's going to be a lot of people are feeding their families off of this money. Not, not me clearly, but um, I think I create content, but it's like a hobby. And I don't think this is anything new. YouTube has constantly changing their policy, not notifying creators. So constantly you see waves and waves of creators posting videos that are like, YouTube, why don't you answer me? And part of it is there's so much content on this platform, this one platform, so much content that it's not humans flagging these things. All of the conversations we're having like have the same thread, but it's not humans that are saying, uh, you said a bad word in the first seven seconds. It's not a human doing that. It's, it's, um, a program. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So communication is an issue, right? Like I, I hear that they're not really telling you if they're demonetizing it. You just have to kind of find out. Uh, and any like lack of communication, especially around like a surprising change in policy that takes something away from an individual that hurts trust. Right. So, um, you know, content creators have more choice than ever these days. I mean, I think YouTube is still pretty dominant, but there are a lot of other platforms that they could start using as well. Do you I mean, I think to a certain degree, a lot of content creators are already starting to diversify among other platforms. I definitely agree. Yeah, year after year, like with these changes, you can't be a content creator that puts a lot of your eggs in one basket. And this has got to make you really nervous. Um, But I mean, humans, again, humans find their way around these around these restrictions. So I've seen content being created where somebody just substitutes a word that they know will get them demonetized and putting another another word. And so they'll verbally say it, but also like in captions or in superimposed text, they'll put that 
proxy word instead of the actual word. And so they're telling the same message, but just without using that subjectively naughty word. So are you actually accomplishing, is the policy accomplishing what it was meant to accomplish? Yeah, I'm curious as to why they chose, you know, profanity as such a hot topic issue for them um, in terms of demonetization. Um, is it their audience base? Is it regulatory issues? I don't fully understand. Does anyone have more insight to share? I, I mean, I suspect I can speculate, right? Like kids make up a huge component of the audience on YouTube. Right. I mean, there are tons of, of people who have never known a world without YouTube. Right. Um, and have been latched onto it since the beginning. Uh, and I know that even when they try to separate like a separate kids YouTube, like not all kids are using that. Right. So like maybe they have some obligation here to, to try to censor their platform, but they're, they're not even censoring it, though. Right. Like they're they're just taking the money away. Yeah. So. I'm not, I'm not sure, like, what is that? Is it just a, a disincentive? Is, is that what they're trying to do, to disincentivize people? Because, I mean, you can still find the videos. You can still play it, right? They're just, the creator's just not getting money. Yeah. That's a good point. Maybe they're just trying to save money. It's tough economic times right now. Yeah, and it's also kind of silly because it's, um, if you curse in the first seven seconds, and in my head, that's, geared towards, oh, a parent puts on a video, they're listening for the first seven seconds, and then, oh, whatever happens after that, who cares, because mom and dad didn't hear it and aren't going to skip the video or, you know, close out the YouTube app. But I don't know. I've seen some really weird stuff on kids' YouTube even um, when I was hanging out with my niece, and I was like, this is not appropriate for children, and it's just made to look that way. Um I wouldn't personally want my kids watching so much YouTube and, but I do think YouTube is one of the main long form video content platforms. Still, we have all short for a lot of short form video content on TikTok, Instagram, even Facebook now, but I don't know of any big competitors in the long form video space. Yeah. Demonetization is an interesting issue too, because it's not censorship, right? They're not saying like, you're, you're not allowed to say this or we're going to remove your content entirely. They're just disincentivizing you, right? They're like, okay, e even if you've been making money off this video for the last 10 years, you're no longer going to make money off of it now. And it, th that is probably the surprising thing for folks, right? Like if it's a revenue stream for you and you happen to have cursed in the first seven seconds uh, and you're no longer making money off of that video, that's a, that's a huge impact. Yeah, and I think it's interesting to think about what is the platform's responsibility for cleaning up the internet or imposing their subjective beliefs on, or their, like, what is their, like, are we not allowed to have X, Y, Z? You can't say A, B, C words. And what is their responsibility there? If you look at a platform like TikTok, the Chinese government has put rules in place where children of a certain age are not allowed to be on TikTok for more than like an hour, I think a day, something very, very limiting. Whereas American children, like, you know, <laughs> There's no limit. And like, is our government starting to think about like, should we put laws in a place that limit the amount of YouTube content and TikTok? Like you're getting into parenting there. Yeah, that's a great question. And 
I know China and the USA have very different stances. Also, speaking of TikTok, um, it's being banned. Um, I, so I live in Austin, Texas, and they are banning it from the UT campus because at a state level, they're no longer allowing TikTok on campuses, which I think is an interesting take. Seems like maybe we're- Is that we're... security related? I think so. I think it's security related, yep. Because, I mean, like all of us use Zoom for work, right? And Zoom is another one that uh, is Chinese owned and probably provides information back. So, I mean, like, where do you draw the line? Do we have a better relationship with Zoom than TikTok? Well, I can curse on Zoom. So, <laughs> I think yes, you can curse on TikTok. It. <laughs> we just can't curse on YouTube for the first seven seconds. You can, you just can't make money, right? So, yeah. yeah. We'll see how that plays out for those YouTube content creators and see if YouTube makes any changes. Awesome. Okay, we close everything out with parting shots next on Breaking Changes Roundtable. Okay, so the future of ABI management. ABI management is um, a set of tools, a set of processes uh, around handling your APIs, whether it's building your APIs, uh, communicating your APIs, distributing your APIs, uh, or enforcing policies like authorization around your APIs. Um, so since we're, you know, towards the, the beginning of the year, talking about the future of anything makes a lot of sense. So if we think about the future of API management, uh, I think a lot of the conversation that we had today starts to play into it. Not the whole self-driving car aspect, but really the uh, when we start talking about artificial intelligence, machine learning models, um, I think we're going to start to see that make its way into APIs more and more. And not just in the sense of uh, monitoring your traffic and understanding when uh, threats are, are coming your way and blocking those threats. That's definitely a case that we're seeing today, but also in the sense of, of getting insights about your APIs, right? Can I have a conversation with my API data? Um, you know, what errors am I getting? Um, you know, how many times does that happen a day? Um, can we get data on uh, API usage dropping after folks are receiving errors. Can I get what those accounts are? Can I group them by account manager so we can start having those conversations? Um, I think API management is really going to start moving into more and more um, AI-based models. My parting shot is something that Kevin told me about a year ago, and I've been thinking about it recently, and I don't think I fully understand it, but I'll just pare it back what I heard. Um, where API management, specifically gateways, are becoming commoditized. And so more and more, the differentiator is not what you actually host your APIs on, but all the tooling that goes around it to manage manage them. So maybe I'm just now coming back and differentiating between management and gateway. But I think there's a huge differentiate in the platform that surrounds it. And I'm just thinking about like the three big cloud companies, not to mention like all the other fragmented providers there are out there. But there's people who have a business strategy of, I'm going to have the best tech the UX is going to suck hard. And then there's another big cloud provider that's, you know, our tech, our tech is not that strong, but we're going to provide so much service around it. We will drown you in engineers that you want to talk to when you're running into issues. So that's a huge difference to the user. And so I think there still is a lot of differentiation there. Yeah, definitely. And, you know, my parting shot, having worked with a lot of organizations up and coming from small to large you see there's so much chaos when it comes to people and uh, these organizations and their API strategies. Um, and the, the organizations that get a handle on it faster and sooner with the best tech based on their needs, I think they're going to 
feel a big sigh of relief in a year when looking at their, um, you know, folks in other folks in the industry who didn't choose to make that decision and are drowning in the technical debt that comes with having too many APIs created by too many people across a whole slew of different tools. So excited to see what comes next for API management this year. Good parting shots. All right, so that's all we have. Thank you very much for joining us for Breaking Changes Roundtable. Like, comment, and subscribe, and we'll see you next time.